Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the wonderful Taryn Hatcher and the dynamic Joe Fordyce. Taryn, Joe, four reinforcements, three days of practice. That cannot stop this Flyers losing streak. Uh, The Flyers got four important players back from COVID protocol. They had three straight days of practice because of a postponed game. Everything was kind of working in their favor in that regard. But they go up to Boston. They lose three to two. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Fought hard, almost came back, almost got the game-tying goal, but still not enough. And almost getting there is not going to be good enough right now for these Flyers. Uh, there's, there are no moral victories. Not when you've lost 10 straight. Not when you've now lost 6 straight. Uh, they They really need wins. They need points. Taryn, I will start with you. What did you think of the game? Are you worried about this losing skid? Honestly, getting close to 10 games for a second double-digit losing skid. <laughs> um, I don't I don't really even, like, want to get into the losing streak, maybe because I have, like, a little bit of um, PTSD from the last one that we went through covering it and everything, and, and that was such a hot mess express. So I don't know. Uh, I think that, you know, they, they did get reinforcements back, but they didn't get reinforcements back with the whole uh, three days of practice for four reinforcements coming back. They didn't come back for all three days of those practices. So I think there was still a lot of moving parts and stuff is still really all over the place to be totally transparent. I think the other part of this that I knew was going to probably either work entirely in the Flyers' favor or totally against the Flyers was the whole return of Tuka Rask in last night's game. Um, and, I mean, he looked sharp, and it clearly was an emotional game for the Bruins. They all talked about it afterwards. I'd seen some quotes about it. So, um, you know, it's just the thing that's tough for me is, and and I, I know we talked to Jonesy about it on uh, post game, I believe, one day, and Scott as well is that the the most critical moments of a game are that, according to them, are the first two minutes of every period and the last two minutes of every period because it really sets the tone for what's to come within the period or it sets the tone with how you go into the locker room and what you have to sit with and, and kind of who decides momentum heading into the next period. Um, and for the Flyers to get scored on so early in the first period, we've seen that happen to them a lot to start second periods. Usually it's the second period, even though they've not been off to some hot starts in some of these games recently. Um, it is concerning to me that it, right out of the gates, whether it be the first period of a game or the second period of a game, quite often that, that seems to be a tough spot for them. I don't know if it's preparedness. I don't. I I wouldn't venture to say that it's – lack of chemistry right now because it's something that plagued them even before all these injuries and stuff happened. So I think there are some questions to be had there. You know, Jonesy said when it's happening in second periods, that concerns him about conditioning, but when it happens even earlier in a game, it can, it concerns you about mental toughness um, or not mental toughness, excuse me, mental like sharpness. Um, 
so yeah, there's some there's some serious questions there just in terms of you know, if you're going to have to deal with all these moving parts and all these obstacles that the team has dealt with in order to get through them, you have to have kind of all the rest of your ducks in a row. And that seems like that hasn't been the case. But to the point of what Mike Yo said practice before they went to Boston was it seems as if the Flyers have gone through the thick of it in terms of it feels like almost – knock on wood – almost every member of their team has, has gotten – close to COVID or had COVID or been in protocols and then out of protocols or whatever. Um, and they've dealt with so many injuries already as well, that they've made it through that part of the woods. Hopefully now they can have as close to a full team as they've had all season. They can try to develop chemistry. They can try to get back on the right track. And we're not talking about losing streaks anymore. Um, but yeah, it is, it is concerning because it's, you know, it's something, it's something Mike has talked about a lot, which is, if, if you're going to get through this stuff, you have to have a team identity and you have to stick to it night in and night out. You have to have a character that you adhere to as a team. And I don't know if this team has had a ton of time together under Mike to develop that cap character and really hone in on it. And it's certainly hard to do it right now when you're playing a Boston team that's hot, the return of Tuca, all the emotions that go with that you're still dealing with a somewhat depleted lineup, whether it's got, I mean, guys missing practices, guys having moved around lines all the time. Um, it's just a lot to navigate, I think. So was well, concerning. I don't know if it was like surprising, which I'm sure people are going to hate to hear me say that, but you know, Boston had been playing well and um, I had watched Marshan get his own Hattie the night before Um it's wild that they had hat tricks in back-to-back games, but what can you do? Uh, so that's just kind of the luck of the draw sometimes in the NHL. Again, the problem is, is that you look back at when they were relatively healthy and uh, should have had everything clicking and they didn't. And it makes things like this seem so much more emphasized, but uh, yeah, see what they can do against the Rangers, I guess. The Flyers did beat the Bruins this season. That that ended their last night's game ended their three game regular season series with Boston. They did have a winner over Boston. It was the third game of the season. Ryan Ellis was in their lineup. Uh, that feels like forever ago. Ryan Ellis has played one more game since that third game of the season um, because of injuries, uh, that lower body injury. So a killer absence for the Flyers. And while I was optimistic that they were getting these four players back. It still hit me that one, as Taryn alluded to, very tough matchup. But going up to Boston, seeing the return of Tuka Rask on top of Boston's probably the hottest team in the league right now since the holiday break. They're absolutely except for Pittsburgh. Except for Pittsburgh, who the Flyers played with half an NHL roster. So it's just, but that's the league. Like I, it's that's the league. That what are you going to do? That's the league. And and I mentioned on the last podcast, Pittsburgh's red hot. Brian Rust is their hottest scorer, and then the day after the Flyers game, he goes on he goes on COVID and hasn't played since. So it's you know, I wouldn't say everybody's dealing with it at the same level as the Flyers because the Flyers had a lot of guys at the same exact time, but every one of these teams seems to have guys going in and out of the lineup. Um, and they just last night, I mean, they ran into a buzzsaw. Uh, Brad Marchand has hat tricks in two of his last three games coming into last night, and then Pasternak has a hat-trick last night. I mean, 
there's only so much you can do. And uh, kind of to the point that Taryn was brought, bringing up that they hadn't practiced with everyone back in all three of those practices leading up to the game. And just to kind of go back to something, uh, AJ Malesko pointed it out in the broadcast last night at the end of the game, how the Flyers got better as the game went on. And it almost felt like that is them kind of just getting back to being like a cohesive unit since they hadn't played together in so long. And she pointed out that at the end of the game there, they basically kept possession for three and a half minutes uh, from the point where the goalie was pulled. So that's impressive. We're not in the moral victory business, but if you're looking for anything to build on, I thought that was a good point that she made that they did get better as that game went on last night because in the first period, it looked like they were going to get run out of Boston. Um, and, you know, they were able to come back. They tied the game at one point. They played with a lot of energy. Um, you know, it, it wasn't enough. But, you know, they, they stood toe-to-toe, as you mentioned, with the hottest team in the league for a good amount of that game last night. Um, and it just wasn't enough. So if you're looking for things to build on, I do think there are some things to build on out of that game last night. Yeah, there's definitely a silver lining. It was that it was a 2-2 game somewhat late in that second period. Uh, it, it was a one-goal game uh, all third period, and they had their chances in the third period to tie that game. So definitely think there's some things the Flyers can look back on uh, and, and hold on to as they move forward here. But I couldn't help but watch and still say to myself, they're still missing Sean Couturier and Ryan Ellis. And if you told me before the season, hey, they're going to miss Sean Couturier and Ryan Ellis for a large portion of the season, I would be like, wow, that's going to be problematic. I just I don't know how good this team is without those two players, to be quite frank. I just don't know if they have enough depth to get by without that. Not to mention they're already in a hole. It's not as that they got off to a hot start and put themselves in a good position where they can kind of weather the storm. So I just think missing those two guys, guys of that caliber that play those kinds of minutes, uh, I'm not sure where this team is going to be without those two. So that's going to be two major things to follow. And Taryn, I want to ask you, is it a little frustrating when you hear, like I thought Joe made a great point about how they did get better in the game and there probably was some rust, but I feel like we do this all the time too with, when they're playing this crazy jam-packed schedule, we say, man, they haven't had any practice time. They've played a lot of games in a lot of days. And then when they finally get a break and they come back and they look a little rusty, we're like, well, you know, they hadn't played a game in a handful of days. And maybe, like, eventually good teams put all that aside. They don't care about how many games they've played in a certain stretch. They don't care if they haven't played in a while and they have, like, they put that aside and they go out and, get, and win games. I think the Flyers eventually need to do that. Like, there's got to be finally just, hey, we got to believe in ourselves that we can play in any situation, any scenario, and go out and win a game. Well, and that's why – and I, I I, got crushed by a few people when I said this, but when they started off their West Coast trip and they'd earned points in two games, they'd a win in Seattle and then an overtime loss in San Jose until they earned points in both games. And I kept on harping on, like – yeah, they're getting points and they desperately need points and you'll take points any way you can get them. But this is not the process Mike Yo talked about. And this is not the team we saw before the holiday break. And at what point do you sit there and you go, okay, we can only 
bend like this and keep getting points for so long before we break and a, and a good team just beats the doors off us. And, and then it happened in LA. I don't think it's been the same team since the holiday break. Obviously there's been tremendous COVID issues. We were talking about this the other day. They're really, the only comparable teams are like Montreal, I guess the Islanders. Um, Like there's not a lot of teams in the league that have had similar COVID outbreaks to the Flyers in terms of sheer numbers all at once and a depleted lineup already from injuries, so on and so forth. Um, And again, it's, it's what I could not agree more with what Mike is talking about. And I don't think that it's totally Mike's thing that he can figure out as a coach. At some point, I think the onus transfers to the players and I'm sure they want to figure it out as well. It just seems like every bit of bad luck and misfortune that could get thrown at them has been, um, that you have to develop what kind of team you are, what your structure is, and then you have to adhere to it so that if one or two guys are popping out of the lineup for five days because of COVID, everybody else can can maintain the team balance and that guy just goes in and knows to fulfill these assignments. Now, if you're filling in for Claude Drew or Ivan Provorov, it is a little bit of a different situation, especially because you're not Ivan Provorov with Ryan Ellis. You're Ivan Provorov like with Nick Sealer on certain nights, and that's a whole different ballgame. I, I just it, it is so hard because Jordan, I do totally agree with what you're saying. It's like good teams do just figure it out. I think the problem is is that the the personnel that has been available night in and night out since the start of the season has not actually even been what this team intended to be. And that's where it gets harder. Forget rust, forget busy schedule, forget rust, forget all of it. I think if you have the Flyers team that Chuck Fletcher put together, you have a team that's comparable to 2019-2020. And I know we talk about 2019-2020 like they won the Stanley Cup and they did not. Um, But I think you find if you have Ryan Ellis – and forget the injury-prone situation because it's not the same injuries that he's had before. I, I, I get he's injury-prone. People are upset about it. But when we got Ryan Ellis, people were ready to throw ticker tape parade. So let's not even go there as well. But if you have Ryan Ellis next to Ivan Provorov, I think you get the steadying effect that Matt Niskanen had that allowed Ivan Provorov to play his best hockey. I think if you have Risto and Sanheim together for the entirety of the season to start the season and we start to see it develop, the two of them work together well. There's something there that you can just fit like it, it works for me. They've been more games than not. They've been probably the best defensive pair a little bit by attrition, but whatever. And then you get Yandel through this Ironman streak and maybe you call up Cam York at some point and you have a Cam York brawn third pair and you've got three solid defensive pairs at that point. We have not seen that, but like three games this season. And we're oftentimes talking about defensive issues and it's not even entirely on the defenseman, but like, like this isn't the team Chuck Fletcher put together. Let's be totally transparent. Patrick Brown wasn't supposed to be here. Zach McEwen wasn't supposed to be here. I think we thought Max Willman was a name that we probably wouldn't be saying all season long to this point. Nick Sealer wasn't a person we were really watching at camp, at least not someone that I was like firmly keeping an eye on as a call up all for like, a a repeated call up over a long period of time. And maybe that's my oversight and I'll own it, but this is not at all the team that I think most people thought they were going to watch just personnel wise. So all the rust and everything else in the world, we're talking about a different team altogether. And 
that's the part that's hard. It's like you, you got all these guns and a bunch of them backfired. And now sometimes you're going into a gunfight with a knife. That's just the situation. And you, that happens in other places. I do get it. But oftentimes those teams don't get hit with like six guys on COVID at the same time, two, two groin injuries or hip injuries, whatever you want to call it, that are season long plaguing injuries and a coaching change. Like it's just, it is a lot. And I know everyone calls them excuses. It is the reality of this team. This team has been hit by a bus of bad luck. And that's my spiel. There you go. That's how I feel. (laughs) There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro... Cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. No, it's very true. Uh, the Flyers have not had the team that Chuck Fletcher assembled this offseason, not even close to it. Uh, at all consistently. I can't help but think that Chuck Fletcher is sitting up there in his management suite when he's watching these games and just wondering, where the heck did this go? This is not what I was imagining. This we didn't season. think we were going to see Derek Broussard. And we're not right now because of injury and COVID, but he was supposed to kind of be like the where does he fit guy. And now we're, we are salivating for Derek Broussard to come back. Yeah. Like, no, it's- and, remember, and remember too, we talked in the offseason about how Nate Thompson – would be a healthy scratch up in the in the press box a lot of games. We thought that would be the reason we weren't seeing him. And now you would take Nate Thompson in a heartbeat just to have somebody to center the fourth line that actually has NHL experience beyond the last couple of months. Yeah. And it, it's 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 crazy how things have transpired. And Jordan, when you just a few minutes ago you said, um, I found myself thinking I'm not sure how good this team is without Ryan Ellis or Sean Couturier. Mm-hmm. We aren't sure how good they are with Ryan Ellis because we haven't seen it. It's true. It's, it's just, it's crazy. It really is crazy. And even when you look at the Phantoms level, they don't even have the player, some of the players they'd like to call up available at the Phantoms level because of injury. Like there's, it's just top to bottom. I didn't even mention Sean Couturier. Like that's the thing is that there's, there's just so many pieces that are key, key pieces. I, and I know Sean Turia has not played his best hockey ever this season, but you'll any team in the world would take Sean Couturier, like and just figure it out. And you can't right now. That's the part that's killing this team is like Sean Couturier, key piece. Ivan Provorov, key piece. Claude Drew, key piece. Carter Hart missing for some games, key piece. Like Ryan Ellis, supposed to be a key piece. 
you, you just have all of these people, both of the Travises at the same time, key pieces, like all of these people who are supposed to be, and everybody can talk about Connect Me not scoring. Connect Me has set up some insane goals. Joel Farabee and James Van Riemsdyk have been scoring lately, generally because of setups by Travis Connect Me. So like you're talking about all kinds of key pieces who were missing. And we heard from Claude Drew, he had to stay in his basement and try to like move around. And then you throw them into a hockey game one day after one practice or maybe two practices and everything's not fixed. And everyone's like, why is it not fixed? And you're like, well, you're still missing like four people. And these two guys have practiced for two days after staying in their basements. Like, it's just not. Okay. Yeah, I... I'm, I'm ranting again. And, and part of the figure it out, like we're talking a lot about this, you know, good teams figure it out. Generally with this team, part of the figuring it out is putting guys with Couturier, but Couturier is not there. Because yeah. guys tend to figure it out when they play with Couturier. Um, and we've seen that for a number of years, and now he's not there. So that makes that process even more difficult. It does. And, I mean, uh, so many of the things that have gone wrong have have been a, has, has resulted in Claude Giroux being this team's best player in many ways. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, if anything, it's impressive that Claude Drew at 34 years old is leading the team in scoring and he's the team's best player. Uh, stick taps to Claude Drew. That's impressive stuff. But I think a lot of people were hoping and believing that Claude Drew at this stage of his career would not, would not be the team's best player. And that would be a good thing. He would still be their leader. He would still be insanely effective, but not the best player. But Claude Drew is an all-star. He is going to his seventh all-star game. Impressive stuff from Claude Giroux. Taryn, I wanted to ask, do you think this is his final All-Star game as a flyer? Is it his final hurrah here yes. in Philly? Where Where is this going to go as you're watching the Flyers really struggle this season, but Claude Giroux have a very good, very good year in a contract year? I mean, who knows? Like, yeah. I'm sure you could get I, – I don't – I don't know. Chuck's not a rebuild GM. So I, I'm sure if Claude wanted to leave, you would get great return on him this year for what he's done. Um, and, and if the Flyers are out of it early, who knows? Maybe that's what he wants to do. I don't think anybody would fault him if he did. But um, it's, obvious, it's been widely – it's like every hockey podcast that I listen to, it's like a league-wide podcast. Like it's come up that, you know, what do you do with Claude Giroux if you're this team and you're now trying to figure it out? And he's, you know, 34 and he deserves the chance at a run and the Flyers are, if they're, if they're out of it, um, you know, do you try to get a great return on, on G? I think you would. Um, I don't know. I don't like to think about it. It kind of makes me sad. He's been here for so long. He's the longest tenured athlete in Philly, right? Yeah. Didn't you tweet that out, Jordan? Um, and, um, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's it is it's crazy to think about it as like an actual reality, yeah. but um, well, it's not crazy. No, it is. It's it's like weird to think about it as an actual reality. He's been such a big part of the city for so long. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I mean, I don't know. I don't have the answer to that question, but I don't think it's. I I don't. I obviously I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that he keeps playing the way he's playing, and he really wants a shot at it. That he he waves his no move clause and is off to the races. I do, I will say, and I'm sure there's people who don't agree with me on this, but like, I do appreciate that 
because of his no move clause, he gets to have say in the situation a little bit more than, um, you know, someone who maybe just gets like dealt for parts. Um, Cause I think he deserves that for what he's, you know, given here and, and how much he gives to the franchise. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It'll be crazy to see. I guess we'll, we'll find out not so, so long from now with the yeah, trade deadline. Question. I know I, I, yeah, I know I threw that on you, Taryn. It's, it's honestly, it's, you know, it's, you like, just like, as Al would say, we really handed me a hand grenade, huh? <laughs> We're all about tough questions right? arms out here in, in yeah. old city. It's Claude Giroux honking at that question. Um, mm-hmm. No, uh, really tough question, but I think it will be a big storyline as that March trade deadline gets closer, and we'll see where the Flyers are at that time. But I would have to think that Chuck Fletcher, who is big on communication, big with being clear to his players, is probably going to have to call Claude Giroux to his office, and they're going to have to have a tough discussion possibly about, hey, how do you feel about things? Um are you willing to waive that no trade clause? Uh, here's where we need to go. Here's where we're. Here's what we're thinking. What are you thinking? Uh, but yes, Claude Drew has earned that right to have that no movement clause. You see a lot of those no movements in uh, contracts for premier players because premier players deserve to have some security uh, when things like this happen. Um, they deserve to be able to know where they're going to go. Uh, they deserve to be able to have some stay in matters. Uh, and Claude Drew will have his say in the matter come the trade deadline. Or the Flyers can play it out at the end of the season and see if they want to sign him to an extension or uh, let him walk. I don't think the Flyers are going to want to let him walk. Uh, You don't want to lose a guy of his caliber for nothing. But it's going to be a major storyline, Joe, don't you think, uh, as March gets closer? Because the Flyers are going to need to make some headway here. They're going to have to be in a better shape, I think, for uh, this not to be a storyline. Well, I think for sure. And um, if – ever there were a year where the pieces were in place for a trade to happen, this would be the year, again, as Taryn said, if they're out of it. If they're out of the race, he's on the last year of a deal, still playing some of his best hockey. Um, and you mentioned the options are trade him, re-sign him, or let him walk. The let him walk is a distant third there. Yeah. And if – if you were going to let him walk, why wouldn't you try to just trade him to get what you can for him? Um, you know, that would kind of uh, eliminate some of the rebuild storyline that would inevitably come up if you trade the team's captain. So um, I don't think the let him walk it can really be an option, not with this team. If that's what you're thinking, if you're planning on a – uh, a 22-23 season without Giroux, then he has to be traded. Yeah. Um, so, you know, th- I think that's really where they stand. I don't think this team is in a position now or in the future that they can afford to just let him walk as a free agent. I don't think that could be even in the realm of possibility. So um, I think, again, this is assuming they're out of it, it, it has – this, this is the year the pieces are in place and you can get a return because he doesn't have term on his contract, which is generally, particularly in the last few years in the NHL, what holds up a lot of deals is a lot of term on contracts. And there isn't any with Drew. So, I mean, I guess there's a world out there too where you trade him, get what you can, and then sign him again in the offseason. Um, That's what I was so, thinking too. Like yeah, I mean, that's obviously the team and 
Giroux have a long history together, and maybe you kind of make a wink-wink like, hey, go try to get your cup, but in the offseason, we're going to bring you back. And, you know, we've seen that happen all, in all different – all sports before. Um, so it's it, – it, it'll be very interesting because, I mean – I was just as we're having this conversation here, I'm trying to think of who the second longest tenured athlete in Philadelphia is. And I think it might be Sean Couturier. It might really. Be. Yeah, before, because before Zach Ertz, well, I think was the second one, and then yeah. he got traded. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I really don't like know Kelsey? where Oh, Kelsey's gotta be it. I bet I bet Jason Kelsey's definitely it. Yeah, before before Claude Drew was it was Brent Selleck. Uh, I remember Brent Selleck was the longest tenured athlete. Whoa, what a, that that took me back like seven yeah. years. Yeah, when, and when Selleck obviously left, and I, I believe he, he retired. Correct? I don't think he went anywhere else. If I no, he, didn't, he, he retired after else. the Super Bowl, right? Yes, and uh, and then it became Claude Drew. And I mean, Claude Drew made his NHL debut before the Phillies won the twenty eight World Series. It's crazy. Our producer Our Ben per- Barry is saying Brandon Graham. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can see that. I hope Brandon Graham never leaves the city as long as he is here. Ever, 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 as long as he's playing football. I need him to stay here, him and his daughter. (laughs) Oh, yeah, they're adorable. As much of an athlete as he is just, like, super cool. Yeah. Right, and and, uh, he's obviously not, maybe not at the forefront because he's been out most of the season with an injury, um, unfortunately. But uh, obviously a Super Bowl hero with the strip sack against Brady in the – uh, in the Super Bowl, and you know, you can sh- be sure his uh influence will be felt this weekend. In the we should uh, ask if uh, Brandon Graham would shake Tom Brady's hand, we should keep <laughs> eyes on that. Yeah, so yeah. everyone is talking those about who are interested in that sort of thing. three years ago. Yeah, well, we <laughs> definitely know if Claude Drew was to leave this city, I think just about everyone will want to shake his hand and say thanks. Uh, he's been that important. How do you see it playing out, Jordan, since you like to just Drop bombs that I have to answer. How do you see this one going? Um, I think the Flyers, I, I want to say, and I think that they're going to be in decent enough shape that they can hold on to him and let him play out his final year without the drama of being traded, and then they'll address it in the offseason. Um, but I do think he'll be back. I, I, I'm going to say it. I just think I think Claude Drew is going to be back, and I think he'll play here for the rest of his career. I just I have a feeling that's how it's going to be. I think he wants to be here. I think he wants to say he played in one city his entire career. Um, he's had two kids here. Uh, I think that stuff matters to to athletes and their uh, their wives and their families. Uh, they make homes here, and I, I think he's going to want to be here. And I think the Flyers will be open to that. The reason I think they should be open to it is he is not getting. He's not slowing down. He's still insanely effective. He has gotten. He has genuinely gotten better in his thirties. Uh, look at his numbers. It's a fact. Uh, so I've been impressed with that. I think he could still be a really good player here. So I don't see why not. Two questions to that. Yes. How do they pay him after the year that they've had and their cap situation? Mm-hmm. And how much of that do you think depends on what coach they hire? Because I, I think he loves Philly. I think that's a big part of it. I I, I think there is there's a whole additional, to your point, family connection to this place. Um. The Flyers behind the scenes, like the Flyers alumni situation is insane. Everybody stays around, and we've talked about that a lot. The Flyers' wives seem to have a really great group that's very close-knit, that all lives near each other um, in South Jersey and here in Philly, and they're all close. 
I get all of that. And it's, it is a lot more important. Sometimes we give it credit to, especially someone who has two young children, but after the season he's having, and as you mentioned in his thirties, he seems to be aging like wine. Like he seems to have been continuing to get better over the past. I think ever since that injury that kind of set him back for a year, it seems like incrementally he's actually gotten better since then, despite getting a year older. And I do wonder about like the flyers have to fit, still figure things out like coaching wise. And are they going to rebuild and this, that, and the next thing. And if they're not going to rebuild and offload some cap space at the trade deadline, how are they going to afford to pay them? Is kind of my question. No, it will be difficult to, to afford him. I think they're going to have to do something where obviously he's going to have to take a pay cut off to take less than what he's making now. That's obvious. And the years, I don't think, will be as glamorous, of course. He's in 34. Um, it's glamorous. really going to be difficult. It is. What it's a good word. Difficult. What's that? Glamorous. The word. It's a good word. Out of curiosity, <laughs> what number of years is glamorous? What's what, that? What, what number of years uh, qualifies as glamorous? What do you think, like three? I would say three. I could. That, that's kind of on my mind. It's like three. It's like take him to like around when he's like 37, 38, I would say. Um I don't know. I can't, you know, it's funny. I could see him being traded too. Like maybe like this season is going so. Uh, you really changed your tune. <laughs> my gut tells me he will stay, but I, I, like just seeing where this this season is going, um, you know, maybe it's time where they, they just say we need to totally kind of change gears here and really look to the future. And I mean, they do have a very good, captain in waiting in many ways and Sean Couturier who's now locked up and uh like Joe mentioned you, he, Claude Drew is in, an, an insanely valuable asset and he's either got to be an asset on your roster for the future or he's got to be an asset to future pieces you can't let him walk and I mean if the Flyers are really just one of the worst teams in the league and let's be real like they're in that they're in that area right now if you look at the standings uh in terms of goal differential points everything they're in that area. Maybe you have to make a tough decision and say, you know what, it's time to uh, turn a new chapter for both parties, Claude Drew and the team. Uh, but I will, if I had to pick, my gut will say he'll be in Philadelphia next season. How about you guys? I don't. Taryn and Joe, Joe, I'll start with you. Claude Drew, will he be here? I, I think he'll be. I think he'll be traded with the potential to come back in the offseason. I okay. think that that's. Uh, I think that's the most likely scenario because I, I, I don't view that letting him walk as even a possibility because yeah. the team has to be aware that that, that can't be an option Yeah. Um, this year of all because you have the expiring contract. And I know we like expiring contracts are like the biggest thing ever in the NBA. Yeah. Uh, you rarely hear it talked about in other sports, as, certainly not as much as the NBA. But I think in this case, you have a generally when you when in the NBA when they talk about expiring contracts, they're guys that aren't very good that have bad contracts. This is an expiring contract with a player that could help a team that's on the verge of a cup, and they're not going to be on the hook for a ton of money. Yeah. Um, I just think that's a a really really valuable and sort of unique asset because generally top guys don't love playing the last years of their deal without a guarantee for the future. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I feel like that's got, that's the most likely um, situation. 
I like that, Joe. Taryn, how about you? I'm sorry, can you repeat the question? Yeah, I lost track of the questions. Yeah, Claude Drew, will he be here next season in Philadelphia? Um, uh, I would say yes, probably. Okay. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he got traded. I think but for this, for the end of this season, I wouldn't be surprised if he got traded for the end of this season because, I mean, honestly, if the Flyers are way out of it and he has a great relationship with this place, a great relationship with this team, with this franchise, he obviously means a lot to this franchise. Um, to, to lose out on his worth for a few months to a different team to get assets back. And then like Joe said before, maybe like a wink and a smile at like, Hey, we, we want to offer you to come back next season. That to me probably looks like the biggest. And again, this is if the flyers are way out of it and who knows, maybe they mount some comeback beyond anything we could believe. And I would love that. Um, But um, that seems like the best case scenario where, where Chuck, if, if G is up for it. And again, that's why I, I appreciate in this situation, like a, a player like Claude Drew has earned the right to have more say over where he goes, if he goes, when he goes. And the no move clause does that exactly for him. So to me, it's like if he sees a, a situation out there where he goes, yeah, I'm cool to do this for a few months. Um, and I do want to take a run at this. And, and you know, I see what you guys are trying to build here. And I think given a healthy year and a new coach and whatever, I would like to be here to try to be a part of that build. But let me basically take, you know, like a little a little subplot along the way. Um, he has every right in this situation, I think, to, to go and then maybe come back. I, weirdly, I do see him here next year, whether it's he finishes this season with a different team or he finishes the season with the flyers. I, I do see him here. I don't, I just think that it seems like him and his family are really ingratiated in Philly. And it's always seemed like it's either Philly or Ottawa. That's always the two places that seem like they're batted around based on his personal life. Um, I don't pretend to know a ton about his personal life beyond just conversations that I've had in interviews with him. So I don't want to overstep, but yeah, I would I would imagine him being back here next season. I think that if the Flyers again, if they are way out of it though, it probably makes more sense, especially if he wants to come back here and be a part of something, for him to to leave and the team to get assets and then come back to a team that has more assets, but you know, it'll be interesting for sure. It absolutely will. It'll be a big storyline uh between us media and it'll certainly be a topic of conversation uh, in the Flyers front office. It has to be. Uh, so it, it's going to be a huge storyline for the Flyers. And we knew that going into this year, knowing that they were not going to agree to an extension uh, before the season. So, Who else? Okay, I'm going to I'm gonna toss you both some grenades here. Who else besides G are is the, your number one trade deadline move? To, to acquire or trade off the team? To trade off, like if the Flyers are trying to offload pieces ah. and they want to get a great return on investment, Chuck wants to get something like the ROI makes sense. Who do you give up? Who's the number one I, guy you're shipping out? I mean, I think it would be hard to move him, but I'm going to say JVR. Interesting. I mean, he's producing. Um, the only thing, like the only thing, is the 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 number is is a little bit hard to move and this climate in the NHL um, in terms of guys that don't have a, that have a movable sort of deal. 
Wow. I mean, that's. Yeah, it's a tough one. I would say James Van Riemsdyk certainly comes to mind just because he was left unprotected in the expansion drive. So maybe that tells you where the team is thinking in terms of clearing cap and possibly retooling. And they probably are thinking about retooling and restarting. And JVR is an older player. That's I got one. Produced. Go ahead. And I was thinking Travis Konechny maybe. Konechny? Interesting. Konechny has a deal too that has to be moved. I was, yeah. I'm going to say Justin Braun. He's having his best season probably in his last five years in the league. And there's not a lot of term and it's not a big deal. Um, and a team is not going to be acquiring Justin Braun to play on their top pair. A team that's close is going to be acquiring him for depth. So I think that makes him an attractive option. Well, on that note, it's interesting because we had this conversation the other day, Jordan, in the writer's room at practice, and the name that popped up to everybody first besides G or JVR among defensemen was Risto. Yeah, expiring contract and obviously could get you a lot. Like still a younger guy that teams will probably be interested in for an expiring contract. Those are certainly attractive assets. So, yeah, I thought that was an interesting one too, Terrence. Interesting. I the mean, only they thing, though, do you, so. think, do, you, yeah. do you think the Flyers – think enough of Risto's play this year that they want to re-sign him. Because I don't think with Risto's short tenure here that you're going to be able to get this wink, wink, we're going to trade you, come back. I mean, he's... Oh, I don't think that would be... the. I don't yeah. I, mean, I don't really know, I, but I don't think that would be the case. I think if you trade him, then he goes then he's to the free market. Yeah. And, and the way defensemen are getting paid right now, he's like, hey, yeah. pay me, because they're right. making yeah. big dollars lately. Mm -hmm. Um but that's what's that's kind of what's interesting about it is that if the trade deadline comes and goes and he's not dealt, then you'd have to imagine that they're trying to figure out a way to pay him money, I guess. I don't know. There's there's like there's so many pieces here where you look at it and you go, if this doesn't happen, there's implications of this. And if this happens, there's implications of that and this, that, and the next thing. And like you could offload, uh, we were talking about Broussard, like to a team that just wants like a depth forward, you could offload a Broussard and you could offload this player and that player and so on and so forth, where there's not so many implications, I don't think, but some of them there are. And that's what's going to be really interesting to watch a trade deadline. Like if you're really trying to go through a rebuild, you know, is that something that he's really interested in doing after nine years in Buffalo? I would doubt it. I think that would be interesting as well as like, maybe he says like, I don't want to resign here. You know, if you, if you want to trade me, trade me. It, there's just like, there's interesting things there where like, I think on the G conversation, maybe there's the opposite conversation there. Cause there's not that loyalty in history and whatever. Whereas like, I think G would like to just, win a cup or, or really make a run in the postseason. It, it is interesting. Like JVR's I think has, has some interesting, well, I guess his term, it's just his term. Like his term yeah. is interesting. Connect me. I, I, do you really think they would move connect me? I think they would think about it just because he's an attractive trip chip in terms of his youth. And uh, he's got years on his deal, which I think some teams will probably value if they really think they could, get this young piece and keep him for team control. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe they're thinking like, maybe, I, I don't know, like Travis Connected struggling to score goals. He hasn't been the same player since uh, before the bubble. So maybe, maybe they're thinking that they're really, really going to like shift gears and kind of retool this roster. And they feel like they could get some really good assets in return in terms of draft picks or cap space. Mm -hmm. 
maybe they would think Konechny. I don't love that one. I will say that. I don't. That's not. I would definitely think other guys with expiring deals uh, that we mentioned before Konechny, but I wouldn't rule it out in my opinion. I who's I know this is way too early for this. Who would be your absolute not going anywhere moves? Obviously, Couturier, Carter Hart, Joel Farabee, I think would be like the trilogy of like, don't touch them. They're not going anywhere. But who would you add to that? Because I've seen Provorov talk amongst, this is like amongst the Twitter fanatics. So don't take it, whatever. But like, I've, I've seen people say like, ship off this guy, ship off that guy, get tons of this, get tons of that. And some of them, I quite frankly, I'm like, that's a little silly. But I do wonder, like, who would be your absolute must-protects? Uh, I would say Cam York. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I really like what I've seen from him from the point. I like his decisiveness at the point, getting, you know, getting shots to the net with that quick little shot. Like, we've seen it the last few games. He has that quick little shot that's not a slap shot. It's not a wrist shot. It's in between. And he gets it on net quickly. And – I'm not trying to compare him to this guy before anyone jumps down my throat about that, but the quickness with what he gets the puck on net reminds me of Brent Burns. Like if you see Burns, the puck's on his stick and it's off his stick toward the net, and it's always on net, yeah. which also is something I've noticed with York, and the Flyers have struggled with that from the point is getting the puck on net and quickly. Yeah, I think a couple of prospects come to mind. Cam York being one, as Joe mentioned. He was also the first ever draft pick of Fletcher and Flair uh, in Philadelphia, so I think they're going to value him very highly. Uh, Tyson Forster will be another one, a winger uh, that this regime also picked, uh, a winger that does things that the Flyers don't have in terms of shooting ability, uh, you know, score first type of mentality. So those are two young assets. But, Taryn, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, those are the ones that come to mind for me. Joel Farabee, Carter Hart, um, Sean Gattori, obviously. I think they 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 want him here in Philadelphia for the long term. Uh, other than that, I'm not sure if you have many untouchables. I don't think a lot of teams really look at guys and say they're completely untouchable unless they are of the caliber of what we're talking about. I'm not going to say untouchable, but I think losing Scott Lawton would be a massive loss. That's one of the other ones where I would say if, like, if you're trying to – a good connector from the older guys to the younger guys, good locker room guy, plays everywhere. I think Scott Lawton would be more of a loss than people might realize. And that's not happening. I'm just yes, one of the ones where I'm saying, like, if I'm GM, I would be like, that's maybe one of the not doesn't come to your mind first players that I would say I'd really rather keep him in my dressing room than have him on someone else's team. But yeah, yeah. it's interesting. Well, we have got a couple more months to talk about it, guys, but. And I was I was literally just going to say that I'm like, hey, good thing the trade deadline is not until March. So we could just start in January, and we're just maybe we'll keep them going through June, even after the trade deadline well, passes and the Stanley Cup has been awarded. And yes, it's over two months away the trade deadline, but here we are talking about it because I don't think we all thought the Flyers would be in this position that they are. But hey, we react to it and uh, we break it down. And you we'll know try what? I got faith, guys. I got faith. Aaron's got this faith. ship is going to K-turn it all the way around. Because <laughs> why not? At this point, what do I have to lose? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Let's all hope for some fun hockey. Yeah, let's all hope for some fun hockey. Uh, I'm sure I have an almond is stuck in my teeth, guys. So if you're watching this on YouTube, please disregard. Would you Sorry. trade that almond at the, at the deadline? To get it out of my teeth, yeah, I would. I'm not sure what I would get back in return for it. Actually, maybe I could sell it. I'm sure there's there's – 
some interesting figures out there well, who might be interested in the, the YouTube we model. We've gone off the rails here, but we will be back on the rails for this next Flyers Talk podcast. But Taryn, no, we won't. No, we won't. Don't lie. Don't do that. But Taryn and Joe will have Flyers pre and post game live for you on Saturday before the Rangers come to town and face these Flyers. Flyers desperate for a win as they look to snap this six game losing skid. Joe and Taryn, thank you so much as always. Ben Berry, our podcast producer and guru, a big thank you to him as well. And Flyers fans, of course, as always, thank you for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and listen, and we can't wait to talk to you next time. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.